You know, this is fall. This is the time we start putting things to bed. And with that, we have our Master Gardener, Barb Lampson. I've been putting things to bed like crazy, digging up some things, some rhizomes and some corms and, and getting them ready to be inside. How about you? Hey, good morning, Karen, and good morning to all of our listeners, too. Hey, I have been doing that, but I just want to share with you before I forget the good news that was in the free press this morning, which is the positivity rate, which is the rate of people who are being tested for coronavirus. It has went down. We are now at 2.2%, which is good. Well, that's good. You know, other places are, are going up, so we can do our yes, part. Yes, we were 35 before, and this is a two weeks after two weeks. Also, um, this, uh, if you combine Nicollet County along with Blue Earth County, then we still have a positivity rate of 2.4%, which is down from 5.8%. So we can't stop doing what we're doing. We're doing a good job. Wear your mask, wash your hands, all distance, everything. Absolutely. And here's some more good news. Hy-Vee. I love that store. They have positive drive-up um, testing for for Corona, and it's free. Just but, drive up, okay? Yes, but here, wait a minute. Just you have to make an appointment with them. Oh, sure. And only at the Hilltop store in Mankato. Okay. There's also testing at the St. Peter's store, the New Alm, and the Fairmont store. So it's on. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturday mornings. Pre-registration is required, but it's not necessary for you to have any symptoms to be tested. Okay. You just drive up and get tested. So this is great. This is, you know, uh, you keep checking people, and there are people that have um, are asymptomatic that they, 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 they just carry don't the get, virus. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So this is one way maybe that our um, that the coronavirus is, is going down. So whatever we're doing, I, I'm very, very encouraged by it. Thanks for that good news today. You're so welcome. And getting back to the soil. Oh, <clears throat> Barb, you know, this is the saddest time of year for me. It really is. I know that because the spring, you know, we always look forward to it. And then I just have the, these great plants. And all of a sudden, it, when I hear the freeze, you know, we've had like frost warnings. Now we're really going to get it this week, though, I think. Yes. So it's yeah. sad for me because yes. I... Enjoy being outside so much. Yeah, and and you know, um, you love these plants. I mean, there is a bond between a gardener <laughs> and what they grow. Just like there's a bond between a farmer and the crops he rose, raises. Or your or pets, the, with your pets. Y- yeah, exactly. There, There is a bond. And so, but it is it is what nature does, and and that's really good. But it's important for things like you know, especially cannas and dahlias. It's important to get them dug now. You don't have to. We've always said you have to wait for a hard frost. You don't. You well, s- that's the thing. I think I used to always do that, but right. I thought to myself, <laughs> you know, I just have so much to do. So I did start this week. I dug up the corms of my gladioles, and and I need to let them dry out completely because yes. they are not completely dry yet. Right, and I. I dug up the the tubers to my cannas. Yes. I've still got the big elephant ear, which is going to be a big thing. But I always used to think the same thing. You had to wait until it completely freezes. Now, the one thing that does, it helps so it's drier. But you You still... You can dry them off. You can still dry them. So, yeah. Yeah, right. Did that change? Because that used to always be the the thinking. You know, 
everything changes with gardening. It really does. And uh, it it seems like our weather, with with the uh, weather patterns changing, we can get severe weather really quickly. And then it makes it difficult to get out and dig in the garden. It's better when the garden is dry now. We did have some rain, but my garden is dry enough now, so I can go it, yes, in there and because we and needed dig. rain so bad. We yes. got three inches. I don't know about you, but we got one point okay. eight inches in our rain gauge, so we were very very happy for that. Mm-hmm. But I do have the glads out, and now um, you know when you take them out, you leave about oh I would say about two to three inches on top, and the st- then the stalk. Yep. Yes, and then when they're dry. They had that nubbin on the bottom, which is the original corm that this plant originated from. When they're dry, that's when you snap that off. Yeah, it's kind of an ugly, it looks kind of like an ugly dried up thing. but Yeah, and it, it looks like it got a wart or something yes, like that. Right? I actually snapped mine off before it was dry, mm-hmm. some of them, so I hope I didn't hurt them. But. Well, I, you know, we always say, you know, don't damage the <laughs> tissue of the of the corm. So, so that's one thing to do later on. But if you don't have time... If you leave them on there, nothing bad's going to happen either, no. because that is all dried out. It's not like something that that would be attached to it and it would start dying and it would provide a, a virus or a bacteria would run through the rest and of it. And some of my glads actually got so they've doubled in size. So what yes. I can do is actually split them, and now instead of you know one bulb, I've got two big bulbs. And so I mean, I, I look at how many I started with. I think these are ones I've had. This is my second time digging them up, but the first time I started with twelve. And boy, Barb, I've got a lot of them sure. now. So so next sure. year I'll have a lot more yes, glass to and, plant and, you know, and share it, them. It was very um, optu- opportunistic. On Monday night we had Garden Club in Wasika, and uh, it was very nice. I have to thank the Arts Council for letting us use their building so we could have um, six-foot distancing between nice. people, and everybody wore their masks. And I brought gladiola bulbs with me, and a lovely lady, her name is Deb, they had just um, moved to a different home, and she had put in a garden, and I said, does anybody want glad bulbs? And she said, yes. Okay. And then another lady said, yes. And that was the way to take care of that little, because I'm not going to raise glads again. I do not, you know, I, I just did them a couple years ago, and I hadn't raised them in a long time, and I love them. They are beautiful cut yes. flowers, but I don't like the way they are in the garden. They they get tall, they flop over, yes. and I just, you know, unless you've got a really big place to put them off right. somewhere, they right. just are not a good focal point. So I'm going to have some probably to give away too. Sure. And, you know, people appreciate getting them. Yeah. And the other thing is, if we love those beautiful blooms and glads, if you go to the farmer's market, uh, when the glads start blooming, oh my goodness, you can get a bouquet that's just, it just exceeds expectation. They're, and the colors are just so dramatic. So, so you know, uh, that's one thing. The cannas, um, don't wash them off. You know, when you l- put them someplace where you can dry them off. And I then get sh- the dirt off. Yeah, and then take the dirt off. And again, uh, leave a few inches on top. And, uh, you know... Uh, you can use, um, I have a couple of old, uh, we used to call them bushel baskets, but they're mm-hmm. made out of lightweight, kind of like a balsa Like a ball, yeah, really light. Yeah, and, and I put them, stack them in there. Don't do anything special for them. Put them in my cool room, and, and they are just fine. Well, now, the thing with the cannas is sometimes when the, the tubers come out, they're really long yeah. and unwieldy, and sometimes they break. So I, I worry about rot then. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you take them out, do you ever s- split them up? Because mine sometimes will form, they'll be like almost a foot long connected. And I think, well, when I put them in the bucket, they're going to the break or something. And then should, I've heard some people putting like a fungicide powder with them or something. I mean, have you yeah. heard about that? Do you, you know, do any of that? I, um, I haven't. My sister just said she will take them. the glads. I just got a, I just oh, got oh, a that's text. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, uh, I haven't split them up. And um, going into a bushel basket, they, they fit in there just nicely. Okay. But if uh, when you dig them, occasionally, you know, you, you break off some. Yes. Those single tubers, um, I don't keep those. You don't. Okay. No, I, I do. Because if you had lots of room, you know, you could plant those. But I don't have the room. So oh. they just go in the compost pile. And that works well. I, I have also... Um, I put mine in peat moss um, just to... And then between newspapers, I know you say you just put yours in it. I guess different people do it different ways. Yeah. It depends on where you can store them. Because in the past, yes. I used to store them in our Mankato house. And, of course, the basement was 60-some degrees there. Sure. It's too warm. Yes. But at the lake house, we keep that about 45 in the winter. Yes. And so Perfect. I put it there, and they didn't... They didn't um, sprout because in the spring what would happen early in February all of a sudden all, they would because it was warm all those would sprout and be way sprouted way too early mm-hmm. and so the cool t- temp is really important to, to store them it, it is it absolutely is um, <clears throat> now there are other things that we need to dig too and get inside uh, dahlias dahlias are the ones that are much more fussy they seem to those tubers seem to dry out more and that's the one I have to really fool with Um, they will go into a plastic bucket which keeps them helps keep them from drying out they shouldn't go into this air circulating type of this bushel basket which ones is that the dahlias the dahlias yes now dahlias are different too some dahlias don't dry out as much some of those old-fashioned ones like that old-fashioned red one that i used to see in my grandmother's garden i could just store that on a shelf and it wouldn't dry out they're just as hardy as as can be but some of these hybrids they're a little bit more fussy yes and those you have to uh, i put them in a bucket and put some um uh sphagnum around them and then I have to keep checking those to see that they're not drying out. And boy, it's easy you don't to want tell. those to get too dried out. Some no. some can dry out, but but those otherwise, if they get all dried out, they basically die. Yeah, yeah, they're shriveled up. They used up all their energy. They're just shriveled up. So I use vermiculite too because vermiculite's it's, very clean, easy is. to get the plants out. Yeah, and a lot of people are using the uh, uh, coconut hulls, which are ground up now. Sure, it's a better thing than the sphagnum i haven't i've used some of that but i haven't completely uh changed over to that yet sphagnum really is it's an ancient thing and it comes from we get it from canada and they're digging it up and and we shouldn't be doing that right because you're it's a, a valuable resource that you can't right. it's re- a finite resource yeah, right, too. finite it's it's like anything else Once what about it's gone, it's gone. when i think of sphagnum sometimes i think of down in louisiana that stuff hanging from the trees is that not sphagnum no that's spanish moss oh so you, it's, <laughs> right. you don't use spanish moss okay i just wanted to clarify yeah. cuz i thought what's yeah. the difference there so the sphagnum is is as 
uh, things that have decayed over time, and the Spanish moss is growing. And good heavens, some people go to the south and they start picking that, and that has little mites in it and that. Oh, really? And you can pick that and have that in your car or have that, and you'll get very itchy. So um, Good to know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so so don't do that. Okay. But... um, I've also been paying attention to uh, the house plants because now everything's either in the greenhouse or it's in my house. And I um, found out that some of these plants, uh, even though they were in the greenhouse and from there they came to my house, they still want to drop their leaves. It's still the nighttime temperatures are warmer and it's drier and that. And so that's normal is what yeah, you're saying. So I was sweeping up leaves every morning and... So I've eliminated some of those things. Some oh, of these things. That, which ones have you eliminated? Um, the um, uh, begonias. Oh uh, yes. They, they get they, messy. Yes, yes, they do because they have like single petals kind. So that's not such a good thing. I love them so much and they look great, but no, not not. Just such start a, them next year and just start them over. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Or you know, just buy new ones. That's probably the the best deal there, but. Uh, and also, I had some of my um, succulents outside. These small succulents that I'm so, you know, we all love those. They're just, they're just such nice little things. And these are not the outside ones. That, no, these, are, these the, are the ones okay. that have to come in, and um, and they made the journey really well. They they seem to be a very, they they seem to thrive on neglect, and that was good. Here's what I'm doing with my amaryllis. You know, I have all those amaryllis. Uh, the last you have one, a lot of amaryllis. 28, <laughs> yes. So when you take 28 pots, and they're all in clay pots or plastic pots. A lot and, of and, and they keep multiplying. Yeah. Finally, you say, this room, either the only thing I'm going to have in here is amaryllis, and I won't be able to get the rest of my stuff in, up in there on shelves. So I'm taking them all out of pots, and I'm going to oh. store them like I do other bulbs. I don't, and then in the summer, I'll repot some of them and, and put them into pops, and probably put them with when I'm doing a, a container where I've got assorted things, and I'll use that for the height. And but the rest of them, I'm gonna make a row out of my garden and I'm gonna plant them out there. You're gonna put them outside, huh? I am. Oh. I'm gonna evaluate. See, I always put them outside, but I put them in the pot outside. Oh, okay, I see. And then I water them and, and and then when they start blooming, I'll set the whole pot in the garden. They look absolutely great. But uh, the only thing I'm worried about is this is gonna be one more thing to dig in the fall. <laughs> That's right. You know, the thing is, Barb, I love it when you do a lot of something, you can do experimentations like that. Yes. But if you only have one amaryllis, for example, you wouldn't probably want to be doing all that experimenting. So you can no. do that. Yeah. One of the things I was I was um, lamenting on my my Facebook about this being a sad time of season for me. So I got a, a note here from someone that says, I'm repotting plants today that I brought in from outside pineapple and some geraniums. I repotted my violets and now doing my aloe vera plants and I'm going to split that up. And it says, that's what you can, this is what happens when you can't garden outside. Yes. See? So you can still do stuff. It's just where you can do it. Absolutely. And and it's so good for your mental health and for your soul. I mean, it just makes you feel so good. I tend to ignore things inside, though. I just, it just isn't the same for me. Well, you know, I suppose, and when you're busy and you're working and you're trying to keep up two homes, I can certainly understand that. Two homes, two kids, and a cat and husband. Two cats. Two cats. So, yeah, I can understand where few 
plants can just kind of get forgotten about. They're not the they're they're not the focal point anymore like they are when they're outside. True. But um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was cover crops. You know, I, we did the the crimson clover for the first time this year, had huge success with that, and then this past Saturday. Um, we had our regional meeting we, online. We had a webinar, and it was on cover crops as well as soil and soil testing and the, um, all, of, all of the things related to the soil. And, and that was really good. And uh, we had a chance to share what we were doing. And, you know, if you have a meeting of any kind, you have to give people a chance to share this empirical evidence. This is what they are doing and they have results from that and we can learn from that and so there was some of that as well as up at good council but who should who should do cover crops a lot of people when you think cover crops think of farmers but you're doing it on your your small scale so yeah who do you recommend to do this well, barb really it's the way of covering up the soil with a plant, with a live material versus covering it up with leaves or something because um, the soil sequesters the carbon, and when the soil is bare, the carbon goes back up into the atmosphere again, and that's why we have greenhouse gases. I mean, it's it's just that simple. We just have to think about it like that. Well, here's an exciting thing. Um, at our webinar, we learned about different kinds of things you could use, you know, the different clovers and that, mm-hmm. and radishes, things like that. Um, well, now you're talking radishes. You're not talking the radishes we eat, are you? Are no. You, you're talking. There's some special th- th- radish. There, there is, and lo and behold, we have two plots up at Good Council. Really? Yes, and they are planted into these winter radishes. Now, what is what does that mean? Even what does a winter radish even mean? Because well, I just know the little ones I get at the yeah, store that they're, are they're red, bigger, and their roots will go down deeper. Okay. And that's really good, so that the water and nutrients are going down into the soil, and and, oh. and then in the spring they will till them under or spade them under. Now, with with our um, crimson clover that we use, that we planted tomatoes in, and we also planted peppers in, that has been spaded under now. Does it come back and reseed? Back? That's an annual, but you could be, oh. you know, there are some things that are uh, perennial, okay. and if you wanted that space left in cover crops, you would do that. You know, it's like alfalfa. I mean, the alfalfa comes up every right. single year. The farmer cuts it, feeds it to his cows, and, and he doesn't have to keep, unless there's been a real hard frost, he doesn't have to keep planting it. But so now these these uh, radishes, uh, then next spring, well, before the person starts, you know, they'll go in and they'll spade them under. And this will protect that. So that's... Tuesday. Do they have a special name? I'm trying to... You know... Um, can you remember? I, I, just, I, and can we I still plant it, them? Can we yeah, still plant them? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it depends on, but I think I would give it a try. Really? Um, so hmm. yesterday... Dave was up spading in our garden, and you know I had this huge, I had this really good luck with, with my strawberries, and that was three years ago. Now strawberries, you put them in a row, and then they vine out, they they, they root out to the side, they get right and left, you know, going down. So that center part, those strawberries get old after mm-hmm. about three years. So he went through and he dug those up. 
and got rid of them. So now there's a space in there. So now that's a place where you could put a cover crop or you could put leaves on it either way. But also earlier this summer, when we took the onions out, we put in a cover crop where the onions were because we got them out the end of July and we didn't want that soil to stay to stay empty. So then too, you'd have the same problem. The carbon is going back up into the atmosphere. So you see, a cover crop can be something that you would replace when you want to protect the soil from wind and uh, rain erosion, and yes. erosion. Um, put put uh, organic matter into the soil as well as nitrogen back into the soil. But if, like, you know, we all have these crops. It might be peas that you harvest early and then you've got that plank spotter and you don't want to start another crop. You know, you just, so you put this in and just think of it as a gift to the garden. A living then. fertilizer. Yeah, exactly. So I'm the, the crimson clover that's planted in the spot where the onions are, that has done just absolutely wonderful. We won't, we'll just leave it on, see how it comes through the winter, and then spade it under in the spring. I was just looking at about the radishes, about the radish varieties, uh, just asking you, and it says that they are they are rooted, large-rooted selections of the daikon type, mm-hmm. um, and there's some names. They have groundhog radish, nitro radish, sodbuster, and biotill radish. So those are just some examples because, you know, like I said, I've never really heard about these. Right. You know, it's new to all of us, yeah. really, you know, and we all knew about alfalfa and we knew about clover, but but right. th- this, this is great. So you can find something that you can handle in your own garden and you don't have to have a big space um, you might have some other space that uh, maybe if where grass won't grow or something yeah, that like is that. great for compacted soil because it basically breaks it up oh, so yeah. what See, a great these, thing these these roots they they're just like little pathways going in and because they have these little um, little uh, pathways going down you get rain that goes down into the soil rather than running off and you know how true that is when you when you you've seen that where you have a a space that's just black soil and it gets hard and then it rains and it just beats on it and and it just it doesn't benefit the soil at all so it's um cover crops it's a thing of the future um if you have a if you're doing a a raised bed it would be good for that too you could put it in now and then i should do that because you know right now i pretty much torn everything out right yeah and uh, uh, now i i've no experience with the wintering of this crop this is new to me so we'll have to see you know how well it does uh, doing that next year you can report on that for us karen how well does it do when you put a cover crop in your raised bed yeah there's so many things we can do to try and if we isn't it fun though and you know the other thing that's so exciting about this time of the year is the sharing um i had some friends bring me three pumpkins because they had such a bumper crop of pumpkins i thought that was just so amazing and we have another neighbor whose brother-in-law has a huge uh, apple orchard and he brought apples to everybody in the neighborhood. And that was just so lovely. I think that children gardening, and when you can produce something and they can give it, children begin to learn about the joy of giving gifts rather than thinking of, I need a gift. I can give a gift. That's what's really, really important here. So, um, 
I think um, if you've got something and you've been gardening with your children, uh, even if you have a few tomatoes or whatever, there's probably somebody in your neighborhood that would just, just absolutely love them. And it'll make the child just feel so happy. And it's still not late, too late to plant bulbs, correct? Oh, yeah. But guess what? I have officially finished the bulb <laughs> planting. And I have the wire cages. And, oh, my goodness. This year, I tried something new with my bulbs. You know, I have moles in my garden. and they Moles? Eat, yes, moles and or moles? Well, whichever one. Well, the one that makes the one that makes little lumps of dirt are moles. The ones that just kind of tunnel, make tunnels, and just make little like habitat trails. Those are the voles. So. I, then I have voles. Me too. Because they uh, they 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 have the they raise up the dirt as they tunnel under. Yes. They're you know if we could just kind of control them so that they could work up the soil for us and not eat anything, that would be a great thing. So I've got these wire cages, and then. Um, have you ever, you know what those, when you buy a, a, a plant or something and you get a plastic container that it's in, it's like almost paper, right? It's, right. it's plastic. Yeah. So I've cut those uh, in uh, along the vertical. Vertical, yeah, okay. Yeah, and then um, I'm lining this plastic container because I, I want or this uh, wire ca- bucket thing that I'm making because I I'm afraid that the vole will get in through my wire somehow because I don't, you know, some of these creatures that are outside, they look, you know, they're furry, but they can go through really small spaces. Oh, yes. So then <laughs> I've taken those and I've made uh, like a collar all the way down to the bottom with that. Your little wall. And, and then mm-hmm. about four inches beyond where I wanted to plant, I filled in sand and rock. Wow. So they can't come up that way either. So now we're going to see. I mean, this has been an ordeal. It's a war with Barb and her. (laughs) (laughs) Barb, it's always so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, and it's great to get feedback from our listeners. Yes, we appreciate it. Hey, and thanks. We'll chat with you next week. Okay, thanks a lot. All right. It is 10.03, and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.3.